I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to another episode of the Self Build Plus podcast, where we chat with self builders, suppliers, and experts about all things home building and renovating in Ireland on both sides of the border. I'm Astrid Matson, your host and the editor of Self Build Magazine. It's Renewables, Heating, and Ventilation Month here at Self Build, and we're delighted to be joined by Gavin Miller of BPC Ventilation. He's going to chat about heat recovery, ventilation, heat pumps, and underfloor heating. So, Gavin, maybe the, the first thing is to just talk about whether all this new technology really is worth all the hype. Um, why are heat pumps and MVHR more efficient than traditional systems? Well, I'll start off with the, um, uh, the MVHR. MVHR is a system whereby we ventilate and at the same time retain heat within the property. MVHR uh, is basically splitting the home up into two, uh, into wet and dry rooms, not ground and first floor, but literally wet and dry rooms. So wet rooms are things like bathrooms, kitchens, ensuite, utility rooms, and the dry rooms are going to be the bedrooms, lounge, TV room, dining room, whatever you have. And what we want to do with MVHR is extract warm, moist air that you don't want in the house because that creates condensation and mold and what have you, and move that air outside. But as we're moving that air outside and equal volume, we're going to move fresh air back in to replenish it. And we put all the air through a thing called a heat exchanger within the MVHR unit. And with that, we can claw back roughly about 90 to 95% of the heat by exchanging the heat from the outgoing airstream and swapping it over to the incoming airstream. So if the house is set for, say, 20 degrees, we can claw back roughly 18 degrees. So preheated 18 degree air gets effectively pumped into the bedrooms, lounge, dining room, that type of thing. So from a point of view of being able to save an awful lot of money on an annual basis with this type of device, um, it, it, it's pounds in the bank. You're roughly going to take a third of 
uh, your heating bill if you're on gas or 25% off your electricity costs if you're using a heat pump. Uh, mainly because the boilers on a gas are not working so hard and the heat pump's not consuming so much electricity to function. So MVHR is a winner all the way around. And it's really come to the fore in recent times, uh, thanks to NZ, that's nearly zero energy building strategy, which has been sweeping its way through Europe. We now have it legislation uh, in Northern Ireland, has been in Southern Ireland for the past couple of years. And that's a means of looking at way of reducing costs, uh, heating costs, energy costs, basically within buildings. So MVHR ticks the boxes there, and at the same time, uh, gives you a good ventilation strategy for a problem that, that you need. Uh, just on that, it was interesting that a guy called Chris Whitty, Chief Medical Officer for uh, uh, the UK, published a report December of last year. Uh, basically, he said it's time to put our head around indoor ventilation and get it right, because an awful lot of people queuing up at HIA at the moment with respiratory issues. Uh, that are clogging up the NE, uh, that could be avoided if they have good quality of air inside their homes. Also, it doesn't help with people with Alzheimer's and it can bring about strokes and that type of thing. Good report. Uh, it's 186 pages. And yes, I was the anorak and read the damn thing, but it was um, a good read at the end of the day. And it came down in favour, heavily in favour of uh, MBHR systems as being a way to, to help people in their own homes. Pumps, you want to talk about that? But just to, just to say, just to, to stay on MVHR, um, are there alternatives? Because it is it is a bit of the Rolls Royce, isn't it? It's like the top end of ventilation. There are other ways of keeping good indoor air quality, aren't there? I mean, does it have to be? There are other indoor, uh, other means of ventilating. You, know, uh, you can go back to the older PIV positive input ventilation which is basically a device that you threw up in the roof space and it pulled air from the roof space uh, through a grill in the top of the hall stairs and landing and effectively passed the air down through the staircase. Um, and it's working on the basis that it basically pumped air into the home and the air left by trickle vents or air bricks around home that you see those in older properties. Um, not really suited to a new type property because you can't move the same sort of volume you need because of the way the regs have gone uh, and the, the type of volume that you need to move around a home. Um, the, the air change ratios uh, have gone up uh, in legislation quite recently, uh, about two years ago in the south of Ireland and north of Ireland, uh, about halfway through last year, and the same applied to England, Scotland and Wales. So the government and building control officers, effectively, when you're designing a home, you can see a lot more air than ever. Uh, changed over in a home in a given hour. Um, and PIV, while still a good system, um, is struggling to achieve that. We see them being fitted to, uh, retrospectively, to older homes that have developed a problem with condensation and mold. And yes, they are good enough uh, to move there and uh, potentially alleviate that problem. But uh, as, a, as a means of ventilating a new home or a refurbished home, no, I wouldn't be that keen on it, but we do sell quite a few of them, amazingly we still do. Other ways we see now of ventilating homes, we see a lot of people using passive ventilation. 
tensor effectively, whereby you have a core a hole in the wall, you've got an outside grill a tube, and the inside you've got a device that's got a humidity sensor inside it. It's non-mechanical. The humidity sensor basically reacts, obviously, to humidity, and it operates a little valve that controls flap on the inside part of it. That flap opens it and closes it, closes it and lets air into the home, depending on the amount of uh, humidity in the atmosphere. You then need a mechanical extract system to extract the waste air away. Good enough system, you can move the right volumes of air, except you're not retaining any heat. So yes, if you've got problems with putting ducting into a home, uh, like a retrofit or whatever, that will get grounded, but it won't retain heat the way in the MBHR system. You have to heat up that incoming air. Um, that is the, the, the so you still get the drafts, basically. Uh, yes, you don't. Well, you you're not gonna... like it's in cold air coming in. If you won't get that big gust of drafty air as you would in old houses, <laughs> but you still you still get cold air that can hit. No, the thing's got a louver uh, panel inside it to stop any drafts coming straight through. But you will feel the cold air coming in from outside because there's no mechanism within it. Uh, to, to retain heat. Uh, if you go onto our website, uh, you can actually see the, the, the thing and you know, explain these in a diagram that's on the website by the thing functions. Um, there's another device that's quite similar, similar to that, which is effectively a mini MVHR, which you can put inside a larger uh, room. And what it does is a thing called a, a Zephyr, uh, made back on the called BSK. Um, it is basically good at doing what a, a full-size MVHR can do, but for a single room use. So you've got a large living room, dining room, and you've noticed you're getting a bit of condensation build-up. Uh, it can do the same thing. You basically put a hole in the wall, core out a hole, uh, usually about 125, 150ml from memory. Um, there's a tube goes through it, PVC usually. Uh, one side is an outdoor grill, the other, the other side is a vent. And in the middle... Uh, is, is a fan um, and a, a ceramic pad. It's quite clever. It works on a reciprocating basis. So for 70 seconds, it pulls air away uh, from the room and dumps it outside. But as that air is moving through the device, the ceramic pad retains roughly about 80-85% of the heat, stops its first 70-second cycle, then works the other way, pulls air into the room to top up the air again. And as it's coming, the fresh air is coming in from outside, it's collecting heat that's in the ceramic pad. So you've got, again, preheated air coming into the home. Good little device, works well. We sell those uh, in the hundreds. <laughs> to be quite honest, we sell a lot of those. Um, a few other devices that uh, you can get. Um, you know, PIV would be number one. Uh, Passive House would be the second one. MEVs are mechanical extract systems. Um, you can get those in various kinds. Uh, another little, little small one, which we are beginning to see come in, is what we call the DMEV uh, fan. It's a device that can take the place of the conventional fan that's in the bathroom or kitchen or that type of thing. The work difference from a conventional fan is that this thing's on 24-7. So it uses uh, small, low-powered electric motors, uh, single electric motor inside, it's usually about 9 volt. 
And it's designed to basically continuously at a trickle speed to remove air from that bathroom. And it's doing it the whole time. So it's actually moving air from the bathroom and effectively quite a chunk of the rest of the house. Because air flows, uh, even the bathroom door is closed, then it'll flow underneath the door. It's because by building control regs, there should be an, a 10 mil gap usually on the underneath of the door to the finished floor surface. So that's enough to let air percolate through and uh, keep going. So this thing's working all the time at moving air from the bathroom and the surrounding area or surrounding rooms. So if you have one upstairs in the bathroom, one downstairs in the kitchen, or another one in a downstairs loo, uh, you're going to move a fair bit of air, and if you've already got trickle vents in the windows in the home, uh, that'll let the air in. Uh, ventilation is all about uh, getting air moving into the house in equal amounts. So if you've got 100-150 litres per second moving into the house, you need that same 100-150 litres per second moving out of the house to give a balanced airflow. Uh, DMEVs are good for older properties where you've got existing fans and you want something to move a bit easier to run and runs automatically on a 24-7 basis. The real trick up your sleeve is um, you're running uh, trick at trickle speed all the time. Somebody steps into the shower in the morning to have a built-in humidity sensor. So they will sense um, when the, the, the air has got extra moisture in it and will ramp speed up to overcome that. As soon as you stop using the shower, the humidity drops, the fan speed drops and then they go back to their takeover speed. So they don't cost a huge amount of money to, to, to run, they actually cost less than a conventional fan. Yeah, if you put a conventional fan on for once or twice a day, uh, the, the DMEV will be lesser amounts of money to, to run. So good idea for a, a replacement fan. Um, that humidity sensor technique is one that, going back to the large MVHR uh, units, that's one that they will use that's built into them nowadays. Uh, again, an MVHR unit working through a whole house ventilation system, uh, once it senses a buildup in humidity, will uh, automatically uh, spring into action, if you want to call it that, and go from its takeover speed, because they all run 24-7, through to a higher speed to uh, move moisture away. Uh, they're quite clever, the larger systems, because they have on their, uh, their processor, microprocessor, a system where they can recognize uh, natural ambient uh, moisture levels that would have in the, in the year and can differentiate and are diligent enough to differentiate between summer and winter levels. Um, and then again, as I said, somebody starts cooking in the kitchen or steps into the shower, they'll work that out and raise the fan speed to do come up and go back down again. Um, and that's the type of ventilation system that, yes, we like to see come into properties, whether they're new or retrofit older properties. Uh, MVHR, we've been into properties, everything from 17th century on up over the years. So it's not specifically aimed at new. Um, in fact, Roughly about a third of what we would do nowadays would be retrofit projects. That's where a classic example would be 60s, 70s built bungalow or house. And somebody's come along and put extra cladding on the walls, that type of thing to insulate it. Huge amount of insulation up in every space, uh, triple glazed systems. And all of a sudden it's discovered they've got no free air moving in or out of the property. Uh, big problem because condensation and mold. Is one thing, but also the lack of uh, oxygen for people to breathe inside the house is uh, the other more slightly, slightly dangerous one. Uh, uh, an example of how you notice that 
still not in the compensation building up, but waking up in the morning uh, with, a, with a sore head and wondering what's happened. Um, and you haven't been on the drink the night before. So, you know, what has actually happened has been that you've been sleeping in an environment where the air quality has been very poor because there's been no adequate ventilation. Um, so that's something that we're seeing a, a big development in our market where uh, people are saying, I've got an older house, I'm upgrading it, I'm picking a, an insulation package together and, and doing all the right things. Um, how can I sort the ventilation out? quite straightforward. Uh, there's various means of actually doing it. It all depends what we read on a set of drawings as to what system we would recommend. So then in terms of a cost scale, let's say on a new build, starting, I presume the the cheaper or like most cost effective way to go about it would probably be which which one it was the... the, the to get yourself through the, the passive one. Hmm? Yeah. Uh, to get you, sorry, you say a passive house? No, no, just the passive one, the one you described. Yeah, as yeah, yeah. Passive. So with new builds nowadays, um, building control want to see you uh, put in a, a ventilation strategy that makes sure you get through parts, uh, part F of the building control regs, which governs the amount of air that's moving in and out of the building. There's a set formula for doing that. So we get a set of drawings. We do some fairly accurate measurements off the drawings and work out the entire volume of air that we're going to shift in and out. Um, and it has to be an equal balance, as I said before. So what comes out, what's equal, what comes in. And that kind of dictates what sort of machine that you need. And 95% of the time, it's the, the best option is MPHR. Uh, really, uh, that's what it's coming down to. Uh, we're seeing a big move towards that coming into both new bills and people who, again, have got a, a larger retro build project going on and have to involve uh, building control as well. So to satisfy the, the regulations nowadays, it is coming down uh, to really the best option is to go for an MBHR system. Uh, and using, for example, a 75 mil radial ducting package to go along with it, uh, which is fairly, um, straightforward to install and uh, it, um, it basically consists of what we call a manifold system so you have near where the MVHR unit is a couple of manifolds and then 75 mils ducting uh, running off to each room in turn uh, with a thing called a plenum and then the air valve and the underneath of the plenum. Um, straightforward enough to install take an average say three bedroom semi-air detached uh, the guys coming out to install it on first fix would be there roughly about two days to put the system in and then they come back for a third day uh, to get the machine up and running put the air valves in uh, set all the air valves up for their flows uh, commission test and sign off the system so straightforward enough looking at sort of costs involved in that um, you can have MVHR units starting for 900 below a thousand pounds, all the way through to seven or eight thousand pounds. It really depends on what size of one we need. And uh, ducting packages, again, going from say 800 quid through to uh, say three or three thousand for a decent size one. But to pick an average cost is very hard to do uh, three and a half, four thousand, something like that. 
Okay. And and how about the passive system you described or the Zephyr or other alternatives for a new build that would the Zephyr, well, the with the rights? Zephyr, sorry, was for retrofit, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's a, a single room unit. Uh, yeah. So, so the ones that would be suitable for new builds. Sorry, sorry. So the the alternatives to MVHR that would be regs compliant for a new build. Yeah. Those ones, how much less would they cost than an MVHR percentage wise? Well, the only thing that's going to be hit um, compliance would be if you had a Zephyr system, a unit in every room. you might get it through, but it really that doesn't work and it's not designed to do that. It's just designed for a single room application. But if you went for a passive vent system with an MEV, uh, passive vent and an MEV combination, you know, you're about two and a half grand. So there's a difference in cost, but you have no heat retention. So you've got to work out in your own mind do I want to be cold and ventilated or do I want to be warm and ventilated? <laughs> uh, what's the cost applications in being cold? Well, the cost applications in being cold is quite straightforward. You've got to heat that air up. Uh, um, you know, there's no win-win on that one. That type of system usually suits, believe it or not, uh, the, the property developer builder because it's a cheaper option for him to install because he hasn't paid for the fuel to, to, to go into the boiler or, or the electricity to go for the heat pump thereafter. He's only interested in getting himself through the um, the building control regs to have the house properly ventilated, which it will do. But as I said, it doesn't do anything to uh, help uh, pounds in the pocket when it comes to saving fuel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And um, we we also got another question there about um, ventilation systems you'd recommend for an ICF house which I suppose the building method really is irrelevant to ventilation, isn't it? Well, again, ICF, um, you're dealing with someone that's got a, a lot of thermal mass, a lot of potential to retain heat. Um, we should probably say what it is, I suppose, insulating concrete formwork being um, like a Lego type of insulation casing, and then it's filled with concrete. So it's basically a solid monoblock of a yeah. house. Yeah. Uh, ICF houses have been around a while now, and we've done a lot of ICFs. It's a bit of a strange thing. Although we're based in Lauren County, Antrim, uh, about 75% of what we do is across the water in Scotland and Wales. And we have uh, a couple of companies that we work with who do a lot of ICF projects. So we're well used to it. 
they all go for uh, MVHR systems at the end of the day. Because the MVHR system, again, because its ability to help manage heat um, through a property like that, uh, one advantage, another advantage of MVHR is uh, the fact that when you go into a house that's been ventilated with that system, you have a nice even disposition of heat all the way through the house. Every room has got some sort of heat in it. And you also are aware of the fresh air ability that it can manage as well. So they lend themselves very well to that type of building. Uh, they're excellent for that. Um, it's something that, that we've... But it's based on the fact of uh, on the fact that it's energy efficient. It, it's it's so energy yeah, the energy efficiency. Itself. So what's rich? Yeah. That, yeah. But the build yeah. method itself isn't particularly relevant. It's the, it's the, yeah, it's the energy efficiency of the, the build and the energy efficiency achieved by the MVHR. The two go hand in hand in that, comp, in that type of scenario and go hand in hand very well because um, the machine's not working overly hard. Um, when you do your calculations, you usually find that the, the, you know you don't need to be uh, working too hard on the heat retention because the house helps you in that stage of the game. So the machine's not working too hard. That means the MVHR system in a house like that will last a, a lot of years. Typically, we like to see an MVHR system uh, you know, do, do, do 25, 30 years. Uh, we're certainly seeing machines nowadays that are that sort of age group. People coming, the reason why we know that, people are coming back and asking for filters for them and that type of thing. And, you know, what year was it made? And, the, you know, from that, then you can get the filter to match. So, uh, yeah, that's a, a, a good scenario for ICF, it's a VHR. Yeah. So um, there's another one. Should settings on ventilation systems be adjusted according to the outside temperature, summer, so winter? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Can I, uh, right. The the machine itself. I said that uh, earlier that that type of MVHR has got a microprocessor. Within that factory uh, factory programming is such that. It has a preset uh, for the amount of moisture that's in both average summer and average winter conditions. So within our part of the world, there's a lot of moisture in the atmosphere to start with, <laughs> between summer and winter. Uh, not so much down the south coast of England, for example, where you can get plus 30 degrees and stuff like this, and down near drought conditions at times. But the machines are sensitive enough with the sensors that they have on board to uh, realize that uh, and work out what sort of fan speeds they need to draw out enough moisture within the uh, within the home. In so many ways, the, the machines actually act as, if you like, as dehumidifiers. They basically reduce, if need be, the level of uh, moisture in the home down to a preset threshold level, uh, which is what you want to see. Um, at the same time, they, they you know they're geared efficiently that they not dry the house out, that you don't have that uh, feeling in your throat of the air is too dry. <laughs> you know you want a, a, a level of air that's comfortable to breathe, and that's what they're programmed to do by doing that. They've got various probes of um, uh, they will work out the incoming air temperature, the outgoing air temperature, and humidity uh, going through uh, at, uh, at level levels as well. So they, they can 
bring all the information together and then come up with what fan speed and what way they need to be operating to do that. Okay. And uh, noise, what what about noise units being a bit noisy? What, what should be uh, checked is, for? Uh, as, a, as another good one, because uh, uh, there was a thing about noise from years ago. I'm actually just looking for a little bit of information because I think Classifies was the one that you mentioned earlier. Um, yeah, now, an average machine has to go well in fact all machines nowadays got to comply with the legislation that means that they can't be any more they're between 30 and 35 decibels he says doing this from memory 30 and 35 decibels uh is all they're permitted to to do in the way of producing the way of noise and that's whisper quiet at the end of the day um they used to be some of the machines uh, some of circa like 10 15 20 years ago the fan speeds were uh, uh, the fans were a bit on a noisy side, yeah. But fan technology has moved forward quite a bit. That we have uh, uh, the blades on the fans uh, designed in such a way as to minimise noise. Also, the systems minimise noise at the same time. Uh, we use, as I said, radio ducting systems. That means that there's no crosstalk. It's not like an older branch system where you have the one continuous ducting going from the machine on the supply side all the way around all the rooms that were being supplied there and another continuous piece of ducting that's going all the way around the home to extract there. With that type of uh, branch system, you could have been sitting in the living room watching television and somebody upstairs in the bedroom listening to the television because the sound was transmitted through a continual piece of ducting with individual 75 no. Uh, radial ducting, it's one individual piece of ducting goes from a manifold to a given room and that's the only place it goes, so there's no chance of noise being transmitted room to room. And then with the machines being very quiet, uh, that also helps. We also, as a belt brace, uh, when I system we do, we normally put uh, a set of um, uh, silencers uh, to the machine. Uh, they go from the manifold boxes back to the machine itself. They're what we call a flexible silencer. Um, they're, they're cheap enough, they're only about 15 quid an average each. Um, and what they do is uh, effectively kill any sound whatsoever that's produced by the machines, if there is anything. Sometimes when the machine goes uh, up a higher speed um, from tick over to a, a higher uh, boost speed, you may get momentarily a little bit of fan noise as there's a, an increase of air velocity going through the fan. So that takes care of that. But in general, you'll not hear that system. You'll not hear it. Uh, a well-designed MVHR system, and that's what we do in here. And to give you an idea of how many times we do this, an average month, because we service all the British Isles, we would do somewhere between 800 and 1,000 quotations per month. So that's 800 to 1,000 designs per month, put that way. So a uh, good old percentage of that actually goes out as finished orders. So if you've got something that's going uh, right, you know about it, or you don't know whether you know about it, but if there's something going wrong and noise is an issue, then you, you, you would know about it quicker. But what I'm trying to say is that with our property design system, you'll not hear it and you'll not have any sensation of air. If you're two o'clock in the morning, you're in bed and you've got a supply event somewhere in the bedroom, 
you'll not be hit in the face with, where's that draft coming with from? It's, it's simple that you want to minimize and, and all the systems, uh, kill off any noise and kill off any chance of uh, a stray draft uh, coming from the system as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, in terms of those those elements that increase costs, we were chatting a bit earlier there about what what like um, what elements in a home in the design, when you look at a, a set of plans, what makes it more expensive what for an MVHR system? What elements I need to see in drawings? Yeah. Well, somebody sends in a set of drawings. What I'm looking for are uh, possible not only floor drawings, floor plans, but if I can get sections and elevations, uh, more so than ever, um, they give me then a, a complete picture of what the home looks like. I can do a complete set of calculations. I can then calculate and factor in things like, for example, vaulted ceilings, that type of thing, where you've got an extra air mass to take care of, um, and various other factors that would give us the full picture when we're running, ducting from point A to point B, where to put the unit, where is the optimal place to place that. Uh, and, and the optimal place to, to put the, the, the ducting system through the house. And uh, also in the drawings, we usually can figure out whether the building's going to build, uh, for example, a concrete slab going into it, or whether it's uh, open web joists or what other design features that impact on, on what we do. Uh, so it's quite important. Um, once we have the drawings, then we can put a quotation together uh, with a design. Uh, also, the drawings allow our CAD team um, to do something as well. We produce for uh, whoever's going to install it, and uh, hopefully it's a uh, properly approved NICIAC or City and Guilds uh, installer. Um, a installation drawing that lets them see where we want the components, the air valves and the units and the manifold, etc., to go. Uh, that makes life uh, fairly simple for them on site. We also produce a set of airflows. So when he's commissioning the system with his airflow meter, he knows what each individual valve should be doing in the way of readers per second of air coming in or out, depending on the type of valve. Okay, very good. So so we'll move on to heat pumps then. Um, and just why, why they're better than traditional systems, if they're worth the money as well. Um, you're going to take off and you're going to be biased by saying yes. Um, I'm going to say that, yes, I am biased, not because I'm selling, but because I like the technology. I like the fact that for every one unit of energy you put in, you can get four or five units of energy back out again. Now, um, yeah, coming from this part of the world, we're large, we're kind of close to Palomino, so uh, being tight, I think, is part of the DNA. So we like that type of number. Um, you can't get that with an oil or gas system. Uh, with the best you're going to get there is one unit of energy and one unit out. So heat pumps really do give you a, a, a terrific advantage when it comes to heating your home by using the energy that's in the air, physically using the energy in the air. That's the heat that's in the air. Even if you're down to minus five, you'll still have a percentage of heat in that air even though you're standing outside with about three overcoats on going, it's cold or where it's not effect, you've still got a degree of heat that you can club off that and utilise through a heat pump. Heat pump is basically uh, a fridge that works in reverse. That's the best way to describe it. Um, it's basically using refrigerant and uh, extracting the heat from the, the air and heating up 
water in layman's terms. That water then goes to two elements within the home. Uh, one under for heating or radiators and two hot water for, for baths or showers or in the sink. That type of idea. But it's the fact from sheer financial implication that when you're looking at something that gives you that ratio of one to four or five units of energy, which is why if you take a look around Europe's uh, countries, whole countries are going wholesale for heat pumps. Um, if I take West Germany, uh, they, through a number of manufacturers, have ordered something like three million heat pumps for a six-year term, simply because they got well hacked off with their problems when it came to getting gas uh, from Russia. And that influenced them to say, right, guys, enough of that, we're going for it. The biggest user of heat pumps uh, per capita at this moment in time in Europe is actually Norway. Uh, Norway, um, even though they have abundant gas and oil, have gone for heat pumps like it's going to style. It have been for years, way before Ukraine came up. Mm -hmm. um, mainly because they have a very good electrical grid system that's updated, uh, maybe like a three-phase system, so that you can have your heat pump um, you can have your EV charger, that type of thing, and everything else electrical that you're going to need in a modern home. Um, but but when you say still, I mean there is the argument that um, heat pumps are a bit expensive <laughs> compared to a, a boiler. What you'd save over the lifetime of the heat pump would that not be the same as going for? a boiler and a few solar panels and comply with the regs that way? Yeah, I mean, solar panels, um, I've taken a point, an average boiler, 10, 15 years lifespan, heat pumps, we know from the fact that they've been out long enough, you're getting 25, you know, so they're going to last longer, they're better engineered. That's the go wrong with them in so many ways as well. Um, so that's part of it. The second thing is really the clawback on your energy costs. It's, it's as simple as that. There's no comparison to, to fossil fuel heating system, really, when you use it compared to a heat pump. Uh, heat pumps are not just the domain of new builds, by the way. A uh, huge percentage are getting fitted now into retros, getting them fitted into older properties. They are quite suitable for that. You have to use what we call um, a high-temperature heat pump, one that's been geared in such a way that it can uh, deal with older-style radiators, that type of thing, and higher temperatures go through those older, older radiators compared to newer ones. Um, so, yeah, the cost, um, if I look at it this way, a heat pump, three and a half, four grand, tank, maybe two grand, that's a minimum, and then from there on up to, say, 10, 12 grand. Um, so that's a lot more than a boiler, no doubt about it. But over the lifespan of what the boiler would be, 10, 15 years, and the amount of oil or gas you use, there's no, there's no, there's no comparison. Now electricity costs, yeah, okay, have gone up, and a lot of people are going, "Hey, come on, thankfully, you're going to be joking." Have you seen my bill of electricity recently? Yeah, that is going to come at the great full circle because if you look at Northern Ireland, and we're daily generating fifty percent of of renewable electricity, well, sooner or later that's going to impact in, uh, on our overall costing where electricity prices should stabilise and fossils are going to go 
maybe up and above. Uh, you know, I'm not an economist, I can't actually predict that, but that's the sort of feeling that we're beginning to get. Um, so yeah, I would go for heat pumps. Yeah. It's it's a transitional period, I suppose, isn't it? It's a transitional so, period. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it is very much that. That's a good way of phrasing it. So the this, the one question was about the 1950s home um, switching from oil heating to air to water is, is so you were talking about the high temperature heat pumps but there are minimum requirements in the home isn't there yeah, for there is. for the house to with, with older properties performing. yeah with older properties being upgraded it really revolves around things like your air tightness uh, what levels of insulation you've put in that type of thing to make sure the property is suitable for that type of upgrade uh, with, with a heat pump again the only way i can uh, qualify or quantify that is by looking at a set of drawings and read off what you're intending to do with that uh, with that home but we have done homes of that age and, and even older uh at, at, Three weeks ago, I think it was 1920s built originally, but it's had decent upgrades in terms of its insulation, in terms of its air tightness, uh, that type of idea. Um, they brought the, the, uh, the floor up and they put an underfloor central heating system in, um, um, and the, the heat pump is going to be the thing. And it's just a heat pump that's been oriented and designed to work with uh, older properties. So, yeah. And yep. then the other question was, um, can I use a heat pump to heat two buildings? One building's 200 square meters, another one <laughs> is 85 square meters. So in the idea, just the, the concept of having, let's say, a granny flash or something like that, where you have... Uh, that's a good is one. It, a lot is it possible? The two buildings, and I'm suddenly going, yeah. Okay, it's the, in theory, it, if the buildings are adjoining, uh, it should be possible to get one to do both. Uh, it's one whereby I would need to see drawings, uh, you know, to get my head around what I'm actually looking at before I can say definitively, yes, it can be done. It, it, it is possible. I can understand that because from a commercial heat pump point of view where you have uh, industrial heat pumps that are heating um, a complex that maybe got something similar. Um, yeah. So if you scale it back down to domestic, it should be possible. But it is the caveat. Let me see what I'm looking at before I can give you the definitive on that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, in theory, obviously, it depends on the size of, you know, what the heat demand and all that is, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, underfloor heating then, um, mixing underfloor and radiators, the perennial question. Is that, uh, does, does that work? Can you have both? Uh, yes, it can do. You can actually uh, work underfloor and radiators uh, in, in tandem in parallel. And again, using your heat pump is a very good way of doing that. So then the is it optimal, though, to use underfloor with a heat pump? Or well, could you... underfloor, um, it, it doesn't really, it, in real terms, it doesn't really matter what your heat source is. Um, uh, you can run it off oil, gas, boilers, uh, that type of thing. But the best that we've seen so far for, again, um, running costs has definitely been a heat pump. Yeah. So so in terms of cost for underfloor, then comparing with rats, um, I presume radiators oftentimes have to be... Um, but yep. they have to be... Don't Isn't it better if you have kind of the... Um, 
low heat radiators, the aluminum, isn't it? Or it, it is. Yeah, you're going the right way. Underfloor heating. Um, uh, again, I like it because when you have it in the house, um, you know you're uh, walking through the house this way of soft on type of thing, or even bare feet. You know you can feel that lovely heat coming up through, um, and it gives you that even spread of heat from ground floor going through to the ceiling, if you like. Uh, which is nice. That radiators can't really do that. Because radiators are really going to try and throw the heat out in an arc from where they're placed on the wall, and they do very well heating the wall up as well. But underfloor heating under uh, basically heats that surface area uh, as one large radiator, if you want to put it that way, uh, and, and reflects the heat upwards, upwards, uh, which is a far better uh, approach to heating. Um, I must prefer that again. You can put underfloor into new or older properties. It doesn't really matter. It's just how it's done and executed when it's installed. Uh, and again, uh, yeah, I'm gonna be biased and say uh, I prefer an option with PE pumps, um, mainly because I like the integration of the two pieces of technology into each other and how they work in balance. Yeah, but the the underfloor is a bit dear, isn't it? I know I keep harping about costs. It's the questions we get in, I can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> 50, 60 pound a square meter, that type of thing. Okay. All right. So, and uh, radiators? Can... Radiators can be uh, a bit cheaper, but it's it's one of those. It all depends on the standard radiator you go. You know, if you go for some of the uh, mock cast iron Victorian style radiators, you're going to pay for those. Lovely looking things, don't get me wrong. Absolutely beautiful. But it, it all depends what you want and, and what your thoughts are and, and you know how much you are into um, if you, if you, the quality of, of what you want within your home. Yeah, yeah, as always, you pay for, for the extra quality. Okie dokes. Thanks a million, Gavin. Take care. Okay, all the best. Bye, folks. Join us next time for more tips and advice from experts and self-builders alike. And if you haven't already, subscribe to Self-Build Plus. It'll give you full access to the selfbuild.ie website, including the Self-Build Plus journey, which is your step-by-step -step guide to self-building and home improving. Your membership also gives you first access to all videos and podcasts, as well as access to our members-only Facebook group, which features regular Facebook Live events. 